Hello and welcome to Business Lines Pulse podcast that tunes into all things health and pharmaceuticals. I'm Jyoti Datta. Today we talk tuberculosis, a respiratory disease like COVID. And though COVID has taken much of our mind space, the last couple of more years has seen some remarkable headway being made in terms of TB drugs. We've had three drugs that we've not had in half a century. And the development of one of those drugs, Protominate, is the non-profit organization TB Alliance. Our guest today is TB Alliance President and CEO, Dr. Mel Spiegelman. Thank you, doctor, for joining us. Thank you very much. So while the world has been preoccupied with battling the coronavirus, Pritominate has been, along, you know, in its three-drug course with two other medicines, uh, has been making some progress in South Africa and in other countries. So could you share some more details on how this regimen is doing, BPAL as it is called, and how it's getting accepted in other countries? Sure. So let me start out by saying we started actually the registration process um, in the U.S. because that was going to be the quickest. So we actually had the drug registered as part of the three-drug combination in the U.S. with the U.S. Food and Drug Administration back in August of 2019. And it has been used... um, for the population that it's intended for, it's been used quite a bit in the U.S. already for two years almost. And then in the summer of 2020, it was also approved by the European Medicines um, Administration, the EMA. And so those two approvals were the first approvals, and obviously with the stringent regulatory authorities for the use Um, in the U.S. and in the EU. Um, We since then have gotten a variety of other approvals, and we're through the WHO guidance process where it was recommended for both operations research and also in selected patients who really had no other alternatives who had also highly resistant drug-resistant or highly resistant TB. It it might be worth for your viewers to just talk maybe for 30 seconds or a minute about the regimen itself and why is this an important regimen to be looking at. When we first started working with the BPAL regimen, then for the population of what was called extensively drug-resistant TB or the highly resistant multidrug-resistant TB, The success rates around the world were on the order of about 30%, and that was using anywhere from five to eight drugs, which at that time included getting an injection every day. Um, And the duration of therapy was easily up to two years or even longer for some patients. And like I said earlier, that only perhaps a third of the patients really wound up either being cured or doing very well. With this new three-drug regimen, number one, it was only three drugs for six months. Number two, all of them were just given orally, which is much more convenient. And what we saw was a 90% success rate 
as opposed to a 30% success rate, even with only six months of treatment. The other part that's really also very important to us is the cost of the drugs. And the treatment, even for such a markedly improved treatment, is actually even cheaper than the treatment that has been used to date, uh, the standard treatment that had been going out to two years with multiple, multiple drugs. So not only do we see mark improvement in terms of the, um, how the patients do, but we actually, along with that mark improvement, see a decrease in the costs to the healthcare systems or in places where patients may pay on their own uh, in those countries um, to decrease cost. So this is exactly the type of advances that we have always been shooting for, is to improve treatment, decrease cost, and now the challenge is really to get it out there for patients around the world. Right. So we've seen that happening over the last few months with South Africa and other countries picking it up. Now, it's of great relevance to India, India having uh, you know, the highest uh, disease burden of TB. And so getting an effective drug is critical. Predominant has got regulatory approvals here in India as well, but health workers say that they still have a problem with both access and affordability. So I'm wondering if TB Alliance can do something about that, or is that to do more with Myelin now and Macriot that have the mandate to make it here? Well, it's both. I mean, the primary responsibility rests actually with Beatrice or Myelin. But as we speak, our head of market access has been spending a few days in Delhi working with government officials and others to see what we can do to help um, with the rollout. Myelin will be donating many uh, courses of treatment to India uh, for, in different ways. So I don't believe the affordability will be an issue at all. And like I said, it'll be cheaper, actually, than other treatments that are available. I do think that, number one, one of the issues, realistically, was that the development program that we did did not include patients from India. So therefore, there's always, you know, a bit of a hesitancy on the part of officials to use a treatment across um, a whole country before it's actually been used in that specific patient population. So we're working on that also with the government officials and with the national TB programs, et cetera, to get usage started in India so that Indian physicians and the programs can actually have firsthand experience with these three drug regimens. Although certainly there is a, you know, a fair amount of experience with two of the three drugs, namely bedaquiline and linazolid. But that is realistically one of the issues that we have is that every country you know, would prefer to have patients in that country having had the experience of using the drugs. Um, and then, you know, frankly, th- there's... Um, I have found, at least in my experience in TB, um, a fair amount of conservatism in accepting novel approaches, novel drugs in the TB community. 
you know, I find it in a way unfortunate because the need in TB is so great. And I think especially in a country like India, like you said, that has the highest, um, the, the greatest number of TB patients in the world for any single country. Um, but there, there's, there is a, a conservatism in adopting new approaches. I think to a certain extent that rests with the history of TB, where as you alluded to, um, you know, from basically the 1970s for the next 40 years, there were no advances for all intents and purposes in TB. And what that meant is that physicians' programs were just not used to getting new products, new approaches, and implementing them. And it's only been in the last maybe eight years um, that that situation is really beginning to turn around. And we've begun through a variety of mechanisms to really have significant advances, such as the one that I was talking about with BPAL in the field of TB. But it takes people, you know, frankly, getting used to the concept of change, of using new things when they're just not used to doing that. It's interesting that you say that, doctor, because I would have thought after so long, when you have something new and if it's less toxic and less expensive as well, that people would grab it, you know. So I'm I'm surprised that you say there is uh, some level of hesitancy in adopting. Yeah, you know, it's that's a very interesting, um, you know, point that you raise because as as we go around in the various countries, the acceptance on the part of the patients is very high. When patients hear about what, you know, a treatment can offer like this, they get extremely excited. Um, if anything, it's, it's the officials who have to change the system. They have to retrain physicians. They have to stock their drugs in a different way. They have to reset up their clinics. Um, there, there's a lot of inherent, you know, frankly, I'd call it inertia on the part of the people who need to change what happens in the system, uh, because that's a lot of work. And we shouldn't underestimate the amount of work that it takes to change a system when that system hasn't been changed for God knows how long. So there is that difference, at least that we found In some countries, it's not universal. Um, Everything is always dependent on its, you know, specific locale. But there is sometimes a difference between the patients and what they're really looking forward to and those people who have to really make it happen. And to a certain extent, feel like they're taking on, and, and it's true, obviously, they're taking on the responsibility of being sure that this is really going to help. Um, because they're the ones who are prescribing, they're the ones who have the responsibility over the care of the patients, etc. So I think there is a certain amount of, you know, conservatism that exists there. Right. So now we have Myelin, we have Mechiot. Are there more companies either in India or abroad that are coming forward to make these drugs? Actually, and unfortunately, I, I, I can't tell the name of the company, but we will be very shortly announcing a third company in India, 
a major company oh, okay. in India. That's breaking will, news then, yes. Yeah, um, <laughs> who will also be manufacturing and distributing, the not just for India, it's a global company, but to actually sell around the world. We have a major company in China that we've announced who will also be manufacturing down the road. We are working on, with Beatrice especially, on a major TB company in Russia. So we will have the whole globe really covered from the perspective of ensuring that not only will the drug and the regimen be affordable, but it will also be available. Because somebody, even that work of the manufacture, of the approvals, of the distribution channels, all of that is, is really a huge amount of work when one looks at all the countries around the world. You know, and unfortunately, TB, as opposed to so many of the other neglected diseases, is truly a global disease. It affects, for all intents and purposes, every country in the world. It's not like some of the other uh, neglected diseases like malaria or sleeping sickness that are very severe and are big problems, but affect only much more limited geographic areas. In TB, we have the added burden that this is truly a global pandemic that's affecting, for all intents and purposes, every country in the world. That's good. So that's something to look forward to. In the context of COVID, there is this discussion that you are so familiar with. You've seen it with HIV, you've seen it with TB, in terms of IP waivers and technology transfer and all of that. So what, would, what, what are your thoughts on that? And this, this has really taken um, you know, um, you know, a lot of attention and global mind space. Yeah. So, you know, the, the issue for us, if we look at IP or patents and all of that, you know, our firm belief is that there's nothing inherently evil or bad about a patent. It's how do you use the patent? To what goal do you enforce it or do you utilize it? For us, the goal of patents is to ensure as much as we can that all of the manufacturers of a drug will be high quality manufacturers who are really held to producing a product that is totally beyond reproach in terms of the quality of the medication. Because we all know that there are so many drugs around the world that are being manufactured that are very poor quality and are actually dangerous for patients to take. And what we see, for example, is one of the benefits of the patents and the technology is that for we can license these and help organizations like Mylan, Beatrice, like McLeod's, et cetera, to actually make sure that the companies that are manufacturing are the highest quality manufacturers and at the same time ensure that they're as affordable as possible. And the way that we think is the best way to ensure affordability is frankly by setting up competition so that in fact, we have multiple companies who are competing with each other, who will all produce high quality drugs, but will in essence drive the price down to the lowest price that at least they can continue to manufacture. 
because we actually saw 10 years ago with the first line drugs that companies were actually getting out of manufacturing TB drugs and there were shortages because the price was so low that they didn't want to manufacture. So, you know, we really have to walk that fine line between ensuring that they're as affordable as possible and that they're available to everybody who needs the drugs, but also that the supply of drugs is sustainable. And in fact, we don't have situations where we simply run out of the drugs because no one's willing to manufacture. And we believe that things like patents can be used to help that, not as an impediment. Obviously, not everyone uses patents that way, and that's a problem. But it's not inherent in the patent. It's inherent in how do you use the patent um, to ensure that you're really going after good means and good ends for what you're trying to achieve. Another model that is spoken of is for governments that fund research or organizations like yours that fund research. So at that point, do you need to also tie in the outcome end? So, you know, when your drug is ready in terms of supplies or pricing, do you need to tie up all of that as well? I think that is a good idea, personally. That, in fact, if a government a public entity is going to support research and support the development of new products that they do build in causes that will help ensure that if it's, you know, if work is done with public funding, that the public derives a benefit if that work is successful. So yeah, my personal bias is that that's something that is desirable. Obviously, given the way that the TB Alliance is organized and it's inherent in our mission is the fact that anything that we work on will have those characteristics of being affordable. But yes, I, I think that's another approach that is very worthwhile looking into that if government funding is used, there should be some form of stipulation as to the availability and the pricing, et cetera. So, you know, for 50 years almost, we didn't have a new drug. And now it looks like 100 years after a vaccine, there is talk about another vaccine. There is, there are, you know, pediatric drugs. You're looking at other drugs in the pipeline. So um, how optimistic are you about the TB drug pipeline ahead? You know, frankly... This is not a problem of science. This is a problem of resources. And I think COVID has shown that actually in the last year and a half. If we had ample resources and ample, I don't even mean on the order of magnitude of COVID, much even less than what's gone into COVID, then I am totally sure that we could come up very rapidly with really big advances in the field of TB. I think we will do that anyhow, even with the present resources, but it will take much longer. And we know how to look for and how to develop new drugs. We know, we, we don't do it personally, but the, our sister organizations and others who work in diagnostics and who work in vaccines 
have also made tremendous progress along those lines. So the knowledge is there of how to pursue these. The biggest issue is we don't have the resources available from governments and other sources to really push this in a way that it deserves to be pushed given the magnitude of the problem that TB presents on a global scale. Eti, you know, we've seen with COVID, there's been now other diseases getting affected, you know, and, and surveillance getting affected. There's been a 25% drop in TB cases being reported uh, worldwide. But is there also something to learn from here in terms of the way the attention's been given to COVID that from here on, you can sort of dovetail the two together and um, do a better job of catching TB cases early and treating them? I certainly hope that that will be the case. And there certainly is the potential for that to happen uh, because there is a lot of the technology, the digital technology, the um, you know, platforms of um, remote diagnosis and or remote treatment and oversight of patients that we've had to adopt and, and that's being used. So many of these things could be applied also to TB and improve the situation with TB. But I do think that we need to learn a little bit from history to ensure we don't repeat the mistakes of history. Because if we look, for example, at the situation with Ebola, you know, when Ebola broke out in some of the East African countries, especially a few years ago, and there was a huge influx of a lot of resources, a lot of improvement. There was the work on the beginning of new vaccines, etc. And then when that epidemic fortunately died down, it all dried up and people simply forgot about it unfortunately, and went away. The work that was stopped on whether new drugs for Ebola or vaccines for Ebola, it no longer got funding, etc. So I do think that there is the danger that on the one hand, if we're fortunate enough to conquer COVID, which obviously all of us hope that we are fortunate enough between the vaccines, the diagnostics, and hopefully there'll be more drugs, that we can make COVID a relic of the past or at least get it under really good control. But I think the real question is, will we be in a position at that point even or before that to make sure that all the lessons that have been learned, the infrastructure that's been built up, that all of that is simply not allowed to go away, but instead it should be used, especially for a disease like TB, where there is, you know, they both are respiratory, highly transmissible diseases, where there is a huge amount to be learned or to be gained by, in a sense, linking some of the advances. But we do have to be careful. That does not come automatically. And if history teaches us anything, it's maybe even stronger likelihood that governments and others will forget very quickly and simply move away. So with that, I come to an end of this interaction, Doctor. Thank you so much for your time and your insights from the Business Line team and myself. Thank you. And I'll probably speak to you again when you make the announcement of another company tied up in India, probably. Great. Well, thank you very much for 
hosting. And certainly we appreciate the prominence that you've put on the TB problem as that's really needed.